Kyle Ortoning begins now. That's right. Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. The Ortoning uh, has returned. Uh, we're yeah. in. We're, what, is, what is today? It's August tenth. We are mere days away from the first preseason game. Kyle, we've got uh, confirmation that Justin Fields is going to start. Sounds like pretty much everybody who's healthy is going to play at least a little bit. Although. Eberflus says it's going to really depend on the person and what they want them to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, but it... one person who's not going to be playing Kyle, maybe, probably, is uh, Chase Claypool. Yeah, uh, so God knows. So we had that thing at the beginning. I mean, Chase has had quite the offseason. There's been whispers and rumors that he wasn't committed enough and that he didn't fit in. And he obviously was not great after the trade but and then they put him on the pup list for exactly one day at the start of camp Mm -hmm. for for reasons we still haven't determined other than just to rile everybody up but uh, up until now it sounds like chase has been having a very good camp we talked about it last week how encouraging it was to hear that especially from a justin fields perspective that he is trusting chase because as we talked about with justin the trust is the main issue as far as those not making those throws into traffic, not making those tight window throws that he has needed to add. So it's been so encouraging to hear that Chase has been doing all that. And then, unfortunately, in a recent practice, uh, Chase pulled up lame uh, during the middle of a heated one-on-one battle with Tyreek yeah. Stevenson. Apparently <laughs> apparently there is some... Uh, the newspaper, several of the guys have said that whatever the exchange was between the two of them, it cannot be repeated. But it, it sounds like Chase absolutely had some words uh, with Tyreek, but then he also pulled up with his hammy. And now because uh, because Matt Eberflus gives absolutely no injury information whatsoever, we don't know if this just means Chase is on ice for a week, two weeks, or if we might not see him week one. So I guess we'll have to see. Um, obviously, if it's a minor injury, you know, you you shut him down for the rest of the camp. Not a big deal. Um, and he's ready to go week one. If it is if if it is something that's going to cause him to miss actual time, that is a little concerning because the, the minute he went down, Equinemius St. Brown lined up in a three wide receiver set to take his place. Uh, and Equinemius distinguished himself with a drop immediately and then got injured himself. So the wide receiver depth is tested already with St. Brown and, I mean, you don't want St. Brown on the field anyways, but with Claypool down and St. Brown down, they are, are, are potentially forced into a situation where they have to play Tyler Scott, um, which we have been talking all along about how Tyler Scott sounds really promising but the great thing about it is they don't need him yet they can let this kid develop and it sounds like certainly in the hands department he's got some jameson williams issues um he may never have great hands like the elite guys um he's dropping some passes but i swear to god there have been like 50 tweets since training camp started they're like holy shit what a move by tyler scott he just embarrassed that corner that corner had a family unfortunately he dropped the ball like, there's been, like, 50 of those where this kid just has the moves and he separates and everyone, while the ball is in the air, everyone is like, why wasn't this guy a first-round pick? And then as it clangs to the ground, they're all like, oh, right, that's why. That is why. Because I mean, sometimes you remember that you do remember that two years, two two or three years ago, this kid was still a running back. So, um, yeah, so hopefully this isn't a serious injury to Chase. 
one of the things I was really getting excited about, because they've been slowly working Mooney back up to full speed, was that it started to sound like the Bears did have three quality wide receivers. Um, and when was the last time the Bears had three quality wide receivers? I think we all remember the days of Marshall and Jeffrey. Those are two very good guys. I don't think they've ever had that third guy that you trust very much. No, so I mean, um, it's been rare enough to have the two. I think, you know, usually we have one and he's not even that good. We just love him because he's the only good wide receiver on the roster, like Marty Booker or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to get a read on these situations because it does seem like Eberflus is just absolutely dedicated to giving out as little information as possible on injuries. Like, um, you know, we're going to talk about the offensive line in a bit, but Nate Davis, it seems like, is in some kind of weird purgatory um, we don't know how severe that injury is. So one day he's he's on the field, but that's when he doesn't have to touch people. And then the next day, he, whoop, he's out again. He appears to have uh, the disease from School of Rock. He's got uh, stick it to demoniosis. And when Deman wants him to practice in pads, uh, Nate is going to stick it to him. So, yeah, that when, when Nate Davis did sign, and we talked about this because it was what I'd heard that Mike Vrabel does not like Nate Davis and kind of thought Nate Davis was a little bit of a gold bricker. Um, and I don't really, like, we don't like to get into, we don't know these guys. I don't want to question a guy's work ethic. It's it's kind of gross. But I will say the when he showed up for the non-padded practice just to immediately disappear again for the padded one, that did raise my hackles a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh, but yeah. in the end, I mean, in the end, do I... Do I really care if a guy who's a proven veteran doesn't like to practice if he shows up and does his job on Sundays? No, I don't think I do. But at the same time, we haven't seen him show up on Sundays yet. So if this eventually becomes a thing where, you know, he got paid and he's not playing, that that does become a concern. So I do think it's worth monitoring that, you know, Nate Davis doesn't seem to like to practice. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's hard to say, because again, Eberflus wouldn't tell us if he had, you know, an injury where he knew he was going to be out for three weeks. He would just say, ah, he's out there. You know, he's looking at people, whatever. Like, he's clearly not going to comment on it at all until he has to put out the injury report, right? So we really don't know much. Um, but yeah, back to Claypool. I mean, the injury does suck because he's had such a great camp. He's really been one of the standout guys. Obviously, the number one thing we've seen in camp, the whole story has been Fields to DJ Moore. It seems like that connection is just going to work from day one, from minute one. Um, Justin has looked great. We talked last episode uh, about how the Bears had one bad day of camp, and we were so excited because they'd only had the one bad offensive day. Um, and, and like, man, it's usually like the defense is always winning. And then we have one good offensive day. I, you know, I'm happy to report they haven't had another like nuclear bad yeah, day I, since they've yeah, been doing I mean, great. I haven't, yeah. I mean, I haven't, there's yet to be that day where they're like, holy crap, the bears offense, mm-hmm. uh, turned on the fireworks. But at the same time, you know, we talked about this last week where you don't, you don't really want to hear that your defense is giving up a hundred percent completion rate either it, it yeah. sounds like there's been a good back and forth the wide receivers have made plays the secondary has made plays and god i would hope that our secondary is making plays there are three second round picks and eddie jackson in that secondary so yeah. i it, and we have spent a lot of money on those linebackers i would hope that the defense is making plays this year um but yeah there there, there seemed to be the strong consensus that there was the one day of pads where the defense really won the day 
since then, the general consensus is, yeah, it's been, you know, some days have been offense, some days maybe slight edge defense, but for the most part, just, you know, just an even back and forth with good plays. But I have not seen anybody, I have not seen any of the tweets from last year where it was like, oh God, this Bears offense cannot pick up a first down. This is horrifying. Um, And hopefully, I mean, we'll see a little bit more uh, here in a week or two when they scrimmage the Colts a little bit. We'll get an idea of maybe what they look like more in a truly organized um, team setting. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no concerns there at this point. And, and, and like I said, if they have to put chase on ice for the rest of the camp and, or whatever, that's fine. I just, you know, hope that it's something where he's back by week one. I think he's done enough in camp to this point. I am not worried about him missing two weeks. It might benefit Tyler Scott to get two weeks of reps with the ones, but, um, sure. yeah, I mean, definitely worried a little bit if this is an injury that keeps him out in entering the regular season, because, uh, like I said, that wide receiver depth without him looks a lot less cool. I mean, we can eat an injury. We've got Tanyan still doing great, uh, in camp, right. you know, Komet's looking good. We still have other options, but you want to keep Claypool out there, especially because he stood out so well so far in yeah. camp. Uh, well, I'm and he move right on. He... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and Claypool, Claypool's the one wide receiver they have that offers a very different profile yeah. than the other guys. DJ Moore is a speed separator. Darnell Mooney is a speed separator. Tyler Scott, it sounds like, is a speed separator. Chase Claypool's the one big-bodied dude that they have. Well, I mean, again, Equinemius St. Brown, who is also injured now, is a big-bodied dude, but he is also... Uh, I mean, to get technical here, very shitty. So <laughs> is that not a talented wide receiver? Not yeah, right. Yeah, so that's that is a problem there. If if that depth is being tested without Claypool, but yeah, speaking of depth, were you about to say we should roll into the depth chart because we have one now? Is that? I mean, uh, I was thinking we would just roll to the other side of this Chase Claypool oh, okay. injury. Okay, um, let's roll to we- it. We, we sort of talked about this last week with Claypool and Tyreek Stevenson. Like, some of the times we would hear Claypool rip the ball away from Tyreek, and other times we'd get Tyreek is right on the plan, he knocks the ball away. Seemed like there was a rivalry there. These two appear not to like each other at all. They don't. They don't. Um, and you know what? That doesn't bother me at all. Like, that's, I mean, wide receiver DB battles. Like, it, that shit. Training camp sucks. Like, the thing is, I, like, ask any player. They'll all tell you, training camp sucks. You're tired. You're in meetings all goddamn day long. It is hot. You are sweaty. The reps get so repetitive. You get so easily pissed off. Wide receivers and DBs going back and forth is just a thing that happens. It just sounds like with those two, there is maybe some genuine dislike, which to me I love because we talked about this a little bit during the draft with uh, Witherspoon from Illinois and why I loved him so much. Because my favorite defensive back is always the Cortland Finnegan uh cj gardner johnson i love that dude where you can tell by the end of the game that the wide receiver is just so fucking mad at dealing with this guy all day long that he's losing his cool that he's pissed off i i the best dbs in my opinion are just fucking irritating and if if tyreek is one of those dudes if he's gonna get in your face if he's gonna rattle you if he's gonna make you lose your composure, lose your cool, that is awesome. Obviously, within reason, you don't want him to draw a whole bunch of pass interference flags, but if he's doing it within the bounds of the rules, if he's getting away with it, if he if that's just his technique, um, you know, that's awesome. That's I, I like my defensive backs to have a mean streak. I really do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, to get under somebody's skin like that, you have to be in good coverage. You have to be tied up. You have to be annoying them. You have to be right yeah. on them and just pissing them off. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems like that's what Tyreek is doing. But yeah, I mean, you talked about depth. Um, with that first depth chart coming out, uh, I think I think what you want to talk about first is probably how far Kendall Vilder has fallen and what that means for this quarterback group. Yeah, hold on. Let me see. Where is the... Let me pull it. I actually should have pulled this up before him, but yes, the first unofficial depth chart is up. Let's take a look here. Uh, so yeah, the, the de- first unofficial depth chart's out. There's not a whole lot of surprises. There are just a couple. And yeah, the first one is, let's see here, Where where is this goddamn depth chart at? So Vildor was listed as what? Cornerback number... So, yeah, they list two corner positions, and he is the fifth corner in one of the cornerback slots, which means he's yeah. basically the ninth corner or the tenth corner right. on so, the team right now. Hold on. Bears, final 53. How many did they? How many corners did they carry? Uh, let me take a look. Oh, God, I don't want a freaking slideshow. Just tell me how many... <laughs> I ain't got to click through 53 analyzing the Chicago Bears. Let's take a look here. Uh they capped So last year they kept six wide receivers, so I think that's going to come up here in a minute. Um nine offensive linemen, four defensive tackles, five defensive ends, five linebackers. Okay, so they kept six corners on their first depth chart last year. Okay. So if you figure six of these guys are going to make it, Jalen Johnson is obviously a lock. Yep. Kyler Gordon is obviously sure. a lock. Tyreek Stevenson is obviously a lock. Terrell Smith, yes, he's a fifth-round pick, and sometimes those guys will get cut as rookies, but it sounds like Terrell Smith has been lining up with the starters. He is he, in a he heated... He's listed as, like, number yeah, four or three. He, so. Yeah, he is in a heated battle with... Um, with Tyreek Stevenson for that other outside corner spot. Um, so, yeah, those four guys you figure are safe. And then you figure those last two spots come down to, it looks like, so Greg Stroman, Josh Blackwell, Jalen Jones was with him a bit last year, Macon Clark is a person I've never heard of, Michael Ohemudia I have never heard of, and then listed all the way at the very back of all those guys is Kendall Vildor. So that is, that is a huge fall for a guy who has been a primary starter for them. Now, granted, I... I don't think he was ever supposed to be a primary starter for them, but he ended up in he very much kind of like Sam Mustafer, just one of those guys that it's like, oh shit, did we forget again to address cornerback? So, I mean, but this is a guy that started mm-hmm. 22 games over the last three years. You would, I, I thought he was safe for sure as like cornerback four. Like, I think, I, I thought he was solid depth as cornerback four, but it seems like the, you know, this administration... They want to go with their guys on at the depth places, and you know, Vildor is not their guy. Um, really, sounds like he's probably. I mean, that's a, that's buried. That is buried on the depth chart. That's I, it's a, not. That's so. this is first cut territory. Basically. Yeah, it's so that is surprising. And then there is another guy who has started a lot of games the last couple of years who is in a similar spot on his uh, mm-hmm. grouping on the depth chart. You want to talk about that? Uh, first of all, I wanted to say Michael Jamudia, how dare you, former Iowa Hawkeye. 
he's a Hawkeye. Okay. Well, there we right. go. Um, right. Yeah, and the only other thing I would say is Josh Blackwell, who I, I bring this dude up like every other. You sure do. You sure you love the man. You love. I, I'm not surprised that he's sitting here as the fifth quarter on the death chart because he came in last year, played really well. He was also spectacular on special teams, and that's a big deal, right? When you're the fifth corner, yes, oh yeah, they yeah. want you to be a good. That guy's got to be a special teams contributor for sure. So yeah. really looking at like a battle, and yeah, I, you would have to think it would have been Vilder versus Stroman versus Ojemudia, you know, trying to find the sixth guy. But it doesn't seem like Kendall's getting anywhere near there, and I think that speaks to the quality of what the Bears I, have at corner now, you know? Like, we I, didn't have it. We talked about, for years, uh, the entire time Vilder has been here, you've been like, this guy sucks. <laughs> like, he shouldn't be playing corner the, for the Bears. Two years ago, especially, it was really bad. Yeah. In 2021, like, when they cut, when they first cut Kyle Fuller, and granted, I mean, Kyle Fuller was washed, it turns out. It was an understandable cut. But um, when they first got Kyle Fuller, you looked at the depth chart and you were like, so... Kindle Vildor, that's yeah. that's the plan. <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're, we're just we're rolling into a season. And the funny thing is, in twenty twenty one, they thought that was a playoff team. Like Pace and Nagy were gonna they they were hoping Andy Dalton was gonna Alex Smith them to a wild card spot. Like they really yeah. thought they had something there, and that was with them looking at a depth chart in July that had Kindle Vildor as cornerback too. And they were like, "Yep, playoff team, baby." Mm-hmm. And that's why I mean I love Jalen Johnson. I, I I think we're all rooting for him to have a good year and get extended, but, like, people kind of bring up, like, well, Jalen's so... The reason Jalen doesn't have a lot of counting stats is he's so elite, they they don't even throw at him. In 2021, he only got, like, X number of targets. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. If Kendall Vildor's on the other side, yeah. why would you bother throwing at Jalen Johnson? It's not really right. saying that Jalen Johnson is, you know, prime Darrell Revis, but it's like, okay... There is an NFL corner on one side, and there is Kendall Vildor on the other. I know where I'm going with the football. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and to be fair to Vildor, he did have a couple good games last year. There was a stretch there before the wheels really fell off for the defense. There was about uh, that stretch from, like, the Texans game up through the Patriots game um, where the secondary was playing pretty well. I thought Allen Williams was doing a decent job of scheming things um, where I thought, you know, hey, maybe Vildor is going to be a decent depth piece. Um, but then we saw, you know, the minute they traded Robert Quinn, the minute they traded Roquan Smith, the wheels fell off of the defense and the secondary very badly struggled um, from there on out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not sitting up here indignant about Kendall Vildor. I'm just, I'm very surprised that this early on in camp, they appear to be ready to move on, basically. I mean, that is... Maybe he's still got a chance. Maybe he can show out in the preseason games, but that sure looks like God. That looks like you are fucked territory there. It really does. I, you're sitting down there with a rookie we didn't draft. You know, like yeah. that—that's the guy you're standing yeah. next to. Yeah. When when you are a guy like I said with 22 starts the last three years, and you are like wide receiver, you're like cornerback number eight on the depth chart. That's that's it's not what you want. Yeah, um, I like but, good sign for the Bears, bad sign for Kendall Fielder. That's I mean, I true. I definitely hope it's a good sign for the Bears. I hope it's yeah. not a sign of Eberflus and Poles prioritizing their guys over the sure. best guys. But they haven't really, they have not. I mean, they just extended Cole Komet. They haven't really flashed too much of that. Like they they seem to respect. You know, Obviously, the supportive of Justin Fields. They you know they right. didn't draft Justin. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other guy you're talking about, I have to assume, is Travis Gibson, right? 
Yeah, I mean, so Travis, what? Where's Travis right now? He is listed as the D... very the D four on one side. Yeah, so I mean, he's anyway. He's, like, he's either yeah, he's either D E seven or D E eight. And like I said, they kept. Let's see how many defensive ends did I say they kept last year? They kept. Uh, Would you say seven? They kept five. They kept five defensive ends and, and four, four defensive tackles. tackles. And there's probably so, going to be less this year because I I just have yeah. to think that Travis Bell might be making the team as well, which means like you think practice squad. Well, I think he's going to be I think practice. Cut off, I, think, I think I think practice squad for Travis Bell for sure. I don't think they're that worried about losing the pride of Tennessee <laughs> State to waivers. Um, but I guess <laughs> I, I we'll see. I guess we'll see if, how, if he flashes in the preseason a little bit. Maybe that, that's the kind of stuff that gets you on other teams' radars. But as of right now, I have Travis Bell absolutely headed yeah. for the practice squad um either way yeah again, i mean either way travis's travis's compatriots here are two undrafted rookies and then terrell lewis who by the way yeah, i mean he's flashed during camp but this depth chart doesn't show me the bears are overestimating him by any yeah. means he's still down here as either like the fifth or sixth defensive end on the roster so this is this is what travis looked like last year to be fair um so this is less oh, I mean, he was, than kendall i mean he was one of the worst defensive ends I've ever seen yeah. after the Robert Quinn trade. But the fact of the matter is, before the Robert Quinn trade, he was an average situational pass rusher. And when, when we talked about the defensive line a couple weeks ago, months ago, whenever the hell that was, time means nothing anymore. Um, we said, we were like, I was like, I still think he could be a guy if he's across from the guy. And I still don't know if we have the guy but Yannick Ngakwe is is close to the guy he's he's a guy that's going to draw attention um you know if you're doubling somebody you're going to double him um and so that maybe that was going to let Travis do a little bit of his thing on the other side but yeah it doesn't seem like uh this administration really I think they saw enough of Travis last year it seems like um and Dominic Robinson who was equally bad but Dominic Robinson is still third or second on Mm -hmm. one of those two defensive end depth threat. So obviously Dominic Robinson is a guy that they see as a project they're still developing. Maybe he's the guy that they see as their pure pass rushing specialist. Um, but yeah, no, if I were Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor, I would be, I I would have my agent making some calls right now, I think, yep. for sure. Yeah, I think part of this is, um, we've talked about it a lot this offseason, the Bears just didn't have a lot of talent last year. And Travis Gibson is a guy who, he has enough talent to get into the NFL, but he, he doesn't have the overwhelming talent you're going to bet on in the future, right? He'd be a guy who you'd say would be like a solid beast, like a Rasheem Green. You would hope one day he would be a Rasheem Green, basically. Um, and Dom Robinson, RAS score of 9.75, is the guy this organization would bet on, right? We're going to bet on traits. We're going to bet on pure athletic talent if we have to bet at all. Um, and if we're going to bet, we aren't going to bet on, you know, Travis Gibson sitting down in the low eights with an RAS score, a guy who's good, like just would eventually be a solid rotational piece in the NFL. Maybe they're just thinking, I don't know, what's the point? Like he was terrible last year. You know, we're going to have this rotation on the defensive line all season. Why waste more time on him? If we're going to take a lottery ticket, let's have it be this one guy. Let's have it be Dom. And then we've got these reliable pieces, and we've got Yannick Ngakwe now. We've got Demarcus Walker. We've got Rasheem Green. Three very reliable defensive ends. Not going to be stunning. Not going to be terrible. So we've got our one flyer. We're not going to do that again with Travis, maybe. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's the same thing with Kindle. When you're down there with the undrafted rookies, like, what is there to say? Like, you started all last season, and this organization is now telling you, like, yeah, sorry, you're just you aren't up to the caliber that we need on this team yeah. right now. Well, and I mean, I Travis. When he did flash, it was as a stand-up rusher in a three-four. So maybe, it, maybe ultimately, it's just a it's just a scheme fit thing. Like maybe he's gonna leave here and go to a three-four and rush from a two-point stance and 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 be a useful situational pass rusher for somebody in that in that way. So it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> like we're we're talking in the uh, the sad WWE announcer voice, but I'm not gonna lose any sleep over Travis Gibson. No, I'm not gonna be sad if Travis Gibson goes. But I, I I I do think I mean in 2021 that was a solid pass rusher. I don't yeah. I don't know if that just evaporated, but yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, do you want to? Should we just move inside? Can I can I play my music now? Should we just move inside? Talk about some. Yeah, we're talking about, talking about the defense. Absolutely, get to it. Let's swerve. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I mean, we got to talk about uh, Jervin, Jervon Dexter. I keep saying Jervin because we're rhyming it with Swervin. Uh, and Zach Pickens, because I think that was the other, um, I guess, sort of surprise. Uh, I saw a lot of surprise to it, I guess, on social media. I saw some articles written about it, um, which is that we've got Jervon Dexter right now as the backup at the three technique, and we've he's, got Zach Pickens as the backup at the weird. one. We are we are swerving with Jervin. So again, uh, I did hear one negative thing mm-hmm. about Jervin. And mostly the reviews from camp this year have been good. Everyone, I mean, the the general consensus is, especially in one on ones, his strength has really. I mean, he is the dude is very strong. Everyone is agreeing yeah. to that, and he has muscled his way through some double teams. Um, there is still, you know. The, the the get off how quickly he gets off the ball was something that he struggled with at Florida. We talked about how Florida kind of didn't ask him to do that, which is part of the problem. But he, it sounds like he is still he's still inconsistent as far as getting off the ball quickly. He's still inconsistent as far as guessing the snap count. Um, so that's something that's going to take some work, and, and especially you know for a three technique and a and and this kind of system. Um, you you really want your three technique to have that good first step and to really be explosive and getting into the backfield immediately. So he's got that to work on. But otherwise, I mean, the reviews for for Jervin still coming in very strong, still coming in very positive overall. Um, so again, you could, but yeah, you did say to me it seemed very clearly that Jervin looked like to me the one technique, uh, and and Pickens looked to me like the project three technique. Um, but it sure seems like the Bears are looking at Jervin as the three technique, and and Pickens right now is the backup one, which to me, that's a little weird um, because if I was being kind about Zach's effort defending the run at South Carolina, I would say that I think there was an effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a successful one, but it. He, and normally you like your nose to stop the run. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That, that to me surprised me. Although I guess the, maybe the thinking is that he 
is learning the one technique assignments, but the plan is that he will only play the one on third downs and in obvious passing situations where you want him to give a little bit of pass rush from the one technique spot that you don't necessarily get from an Andrew Billings. But yeah, that is, that to me, that's a curious move and, and uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensive tackle, I do think seems like it's fairly set. Justin Jones, Jervin, they kept, like I said, they kept four last year. So you would assume the four for sure are Justin Jones, Jervin Dexter, Andrew Billings, and Zach Pickens. Mm-hmm. You would expect that Travis, Travis Bell is, is destined for the practice squad. Maybe, um, they did pick up Bravion Roy from the Panthers, so they're they're getting a good look at him. He's 100% just a pure run-stuffing one. I don't know if that's a guy that they necessarily keep on the roster so much as a guy that they want to have practice with them all in the offseason and then maybe move to the practice squad or maybe just, you know, keep his phone number in case you have an injury to Billings at some point. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yep. I, I would think the four defensive tackles are pro- that are probably set as far as which four are going to make the roster in terms of Jones, Dexter, Billings, and Pickens for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we have... so I, I, uh, I didn't get to go back into this too much back when we drafted Jervon and Pickens, but we kind of had a disagreement there. I was like, Jervon's definitely the three and Pickens is definitely the one. And you were like, we did, we well, did, we not... disagreed. You were like, that's not me. right. And then I looked it up and everybody agreed with you. They were like, they were like, Zach is definitely going to be like a yeah. three and he might even play defensive end. And Jervon is solidly a one. And I was like. I don't know. That's not what I saw on tape. So this, I think this is a couple things. I think the first thing is absolutely the one guy who is definitely going to be starting every game and playing every down he possibly can for this team on the defensive line is going to be Andrew Billings. I think that spot is basically set. Um, Like I said, you know, nose tackles, they aren't flashy, man. But this one will hold the point of attack and stop the run, and he will do everything we need our one technique to do. And I... I don't think the Bears want to screw with that at all. So they want to put Zach somewhere where maybe he can get reps if Billing needs rest. Um, but the other thing is, I when I watched him in college, I think Jervon was the guy who just wasn't told to get off the snap. But when he did pass rush, he was extremely successful. The things people have been saying about Jervon when he was in college, which is, well, he has a great second effort and uses his strength to get sacks. That's what I would say about Zach. Zach was usually not getting off the ball for pass rush. But as a play progressed, he would use his insane raw strength to chuck people. Like, you just can't stand up to him for more than two seconds. He throws you away from him, and then he would come in and get the sack. So he had more sacks than Jervon just because Jervon was told never to move. They were like, stand still, buddy. Make sure the quarterback doesn't get out of here. Make sure if it's a run play that you are stopping it at the point of attack. Never think about rushing the passer. And Zach, he was being told to rush the passer. It's just he was using his strength there at the end. And I think that does, if you can refine his technique, it works out as an NFL 1 technique very well. Because he is a guy who can use his strength to hold that point of attack. But he needs to focus on it. I think if the Bears are going to use him as like a primary, primarily a pass rusher, I think he's probably going to flame out. Uh, but if you let him work to his strengths, which is his strength, his just pure raw strength, uh, he could be one hell of a dominant one technique. And eventually, I think a three technique. But in a way, I do think he is more raw than Jervon because really all you have to tell Jervon is you need to go right at the beginning and you need to learn how to get off the blocks right away, right? 
it's just it's just something he wasn't told to do, and that's what he's doing now. I saw there was a tweet that you sent me from a guy who said, "I'm surprised Javon, uh, it, you know, was taken this long to learn how to, to get <laughs> off the snip, and it was a week into camp. Yeah. The man had spent four years of his life yeah. being told not to. Yeah, like, when they were like, it's yeah, going to take time. Yeah, when the guy was like, I he's still struggling with his get off. I that I really was one of the first. I was like, it's been he. It's been a week. He hasn't played a game. Like, do you know? Like, he's excited I, to do it. And I mean, I I love the comments from Javon too. He is so excited. He like it seems like his best friends are on the offensive line. He he like he's so complimentary of Cody Whitehair. He's just like this guy has so many tricks. He's got like all these techniques. He knows what I'm gonna do. And so and he's like I'm gonna talk to him. And he's telling me like what I did wrong. And I'm gonna figure this out. And I'm like this guy is having a blast, like he's having the time of his life here. He just seems like a very, very affable dude who's so excited that a coach is unleashing him finally. Um, you know, But it's going to take time because he spent so long just reading the play and trying to contain it. So that's all he did at Florida, despite all of his prodigious talent. So, yeah, it's going to be a while, but I do think there's a point at this season where we're going to see him starting over Justin Jones, and Justin is going to move to that... That backup three technique. That's that's my prediction for Javon. Once he gets it, Justin isn't going to be able to compare to him. Yeah, I mean, I I would. I think that's. I don't know if that's damning with faint praise or what the right expression is. Yeah, I would hope by the end of this season, our second round pick has supplanted Justin Jones. God, if he hasn't, we are probably looking at a three technique with one of those first round picks next year. Um, I'm not asking for Jervin to do. I'm not asking for Jervin to be a star, but yes, please supplant Justin Jones, or I've got real concerns. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. The other only other thing really on the depth chart I wanted to say. Well, the only other two two things um, at the running back position, I was a little surprised to see uh, Ebner. Tristan Ebner was ranked ahead of Travis Homer. Yeah, um, and it sounds like he has been getting some runs with the ones, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Roshan Johnson missing part of the camp with an injury for a little bit gave him an opportunity. But yeah, for a guy that, I mean, I th- I think I said when we were talking about running backs on this roster, I think I said, well, Tristan Edmer's clearly fucked, but it appears that perhaps he is not. He has gotten, he had a, you know, practice obviously, but he had a 70 yard touchdown run yesterday. Someone said he, with the ones, he, he broke a nice long run. So um, interested to see if that, carries over into the preseason like how those backs shake out but yeah i was a little surprised to see that travis homer um that travis homer is uh he's on the outside looking in right now yeah you don't want to be the fifth rb uh on the depth chart that's ridiculous especially on a three rb team it seems like right um well they kept three will actually get playing time i assume but they did they did keep four the fourth is going to be a special teamer. Oh, no. Which we thought, we thought Homer had that in the bag. This is like a professional special teams player, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's what he did for Seattle. Yeah. Well, last year they kept three... They kept three running backs, but they kept two fullbacks because they had Jake Tongas listed as a fullback. I would assume this year they'll probably keep four running backs and just the one fullback in, in Kari Blasen game. Um, yeah. But yeah, if they keep four, yeah, one of them. I mean, certainly they're not going to carry all five running backs. So one of them is the odd man out at least. 
and it seems like right now that's Travis Homer, which it it did surprise me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so yeah, I'm Rashawn missed a bit of practice. I really haven't heard anything exceptional that he's done so far, other than that he has looked very clean in pass protection drills, which is good. Yep. That's his um, thing, right? It was he was yeah. the best pass protection back in the draft, and it seems like he's showing it. But yeah, and, and to be frank, like you know, we've talked a lot about Roshan Johnson this off season, but I don't want to undersell like how good Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman are. Is it? Oh yeah, no. I mean, if the Bears are if ninety nine percent of their carries and touches go to those two guys, I don't think either one of us is worried about the running back position. No, uh, and I've heard that they've made a very strong. They, they, they've made a very strong effort to get Donta Foreman involved in the passing game repeatedly in camp. Like, that's been a, a focus of them. Yes. So clearly they are they are testing that man's hands to see if he can be utilized in the passing game. Because um, yep. obviously as a runner, he's incredible. So if he can if they can unlock a little bit of that with the ball as a receiver, that, that makes him a very useful player. Um, we know Khalil Herbert obviously is a home run hitter as a runner, um, and then yeah, if Roshan is the guy that they Roshan and Ebner they see maybe splitting some of those third down back duties, we'll have to see. But yeah, uh, it's a long way to go still. But so far, credit to Tristan Ebner, he is not taking this fight laying down. It sounds like so. Yeah, he's he's fighting for his life, uh, and then yeah, I think the only it's fighting for my life out here, fighting for his life out here is his uh, NFL life, son. Um, I mean, I don't know. You think if Tristan Emner gets cut, he's got a lot of other places to go in the NFL. I'm thinking this is this may be it for him. So, yeah, um, yeah. So I guess the, the last thing to talk about uh, was the wide receiver depth chart. Not that there was a huge surprise there. So it was funny when the when the depth chart first came out, they, they they released one, and then they being the Bears, they realized they had fucked it up, and they they immediately released a corrected one because the first unofficial depth chart that they had, they put out there listed Dante Pettis. Ahead of Valus Jones, yeah, um, which was which terrifying. was a which was a real <laughs> oh my god, it's that bad because Pettis hasn't even practiced yet. Um, yep. Like how bad is your camp that you have fallen behind this guy who's not even practicing? Yeah. Um, but then they immediately revised it and they put they they sent an updated one that had Valus ahead of Pettis. But uh, I mean, it does sound like so. There, there's two sides to this. I have heard good reviews of Valus Jones as a returner. And as a punt returner specifically. So the thing is, if he has gotten those things down, I think his roster spot is probably safe. um, Just because he offers the most upside as a returner. Um, But as a receiver, you had really hoped to hear that he was doing something. And the Mm -hmm. only something it really sounds like he's doing consistently is dropping the fucking football. So... Kind of what we expected, yeah. I have not heard a good thing yet about Valus as a receiver. But again, he, he has drawn some praise as a returner. Um, and again, the best I mean, thing, the best thing for Valus for... here is not even that he's ahead of Pettis on the wide receiver roster. It's that he's listed as the number one punt returner. Right. If he can kick return and punt return, um, you know, he's worth a roster spot as your sixth wide receiver or whatever, you know. But it, if he stops being able to catch those punts, like he couldn't catch them last year that's when he really starts having a competition with Pettis, I think. Because, I mean, yeah. if we're going to talk talk about drops, Pettis is probably even worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the um, the thing about Pettis, too, is that, like, he's one of those guys that they 
at this point in his career, they can probably safely cut him and know that if Velas muffs a couple punts week one and week two, they can just bring him right back. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's good to hear that Velas is, is returning. I really would have hoped to hear that he had found a way to contribute something on offense, but yeah, it sounds like, uh, and, and who knows how bad Equinemia St. Brown's injury is, but I had really hoped that, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver depth chart would shake out in terms of um, more Mooney, Claypool as your top three for sure, and then Tyler Scott as four. Um, and then my hope was that Equinemia St. Brown, if they had to stick him around, was purely the five, yeah. basically purely used for run blocking. And then six would be Valus Jones as your return specialist. Uh, it, it does still sound like that is the plan, but if Equinemia St. Brown is, is injured, then maybe that gives Dante Pettis and and Valus Jones a little room to breathe. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, I, I think Valus Jones is... is it, it, If he starts muffing those punts, he could really be in trouble. That's what it sounds like. Because the... On the wide receiver side of things, he's offering nothing from the sound of it right now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing to talk about would be the offensive line. I mean, we have had two weeks now of training camp. It does seem to be a trend, and I I know that our guards are not generally in the game at this point, but guess what, folks? That's probably going to be the case during the season multiple times with our guards being Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis. Um, It seems like... It does seem like Darnell Wright and Braxton Jones have been improving. It doesn't seem like the tackles have been the biggest issue at this point. It seems like anytime somebody cuts inside, we're having a problem here. Um, so what do you, how much stock do you put in the offensive line struggles so far in camp? Uh, more than I... More than I, I wish that I could. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't say I'm not concerned. I, I, I'm concerned. Um, like, Braxton Jones doesn't sound like he's having a terrible camp, but at the same time, there have been enough, specifically that he's still struggling with his anchor against bull rushes. Yes. Um, so you, you had really hoped to see that he had cleaned that up by now. Um, and then Darnell Wright, it does sound like the last couple of days have been a lot better for him. Um, but at the, again, at the same time, he's he's a rookie tackle and s- some struggles baked in there. It's going to happen. Yeah, even for you, a guy that we love. And um, he's going to have Ngakwe going up against him. You're always going to have a nice veteran going up against you. But, Basically, what they want you to do is be shown the ropes at that point. So you're going to get dominated a bit. I'm not... But, I'm not as worried about the tackle spots, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the yeah, the problem, the concern for me definitely is that the interior of this offensive line was supposed to be its strength probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it's, it's hard to gauge that when, you know, one guard is not practicing ever. Uh, the other guard has continued to go in and out as he's always done in his career. Um, and the center, it sounds like is still occasionally um, bowling the football to Justin instead of snapping it. So I'm going to um, fucking, I know, I know. Have we're, an aneurysm. Look, we're going to get through it. Son. We're going to get through it. I, it's going to happen. You're going to get upset. We're, we'll do some breathing exercises. You'll get through it. Um, so, yeah, I, I I would like to see how the offensive line shakes out a little bit in the preseason. I, Brad Biggs did say that he kind of expected 
that both Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright will probably stick um, in that game on Saturday a little longer than the rest of the starters. Yeah. The, the coaching staff seems to think both of those guys need a little extra work right now. Um, God knows Nate Davis isn't going to play in a preseason game. You're goddamn um, right. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's his thing. So we'll have to see. But yeah, I, th- I do think... You know, this is the thing. I, what I'm concerned about is there's an obvious excuse, right? Is we could say, you know, the whole offensive line hasn't been out there together at all, right? But we have so much evidence that that's going to be the case during the season, that this is just yeah. going to continue all year, that this is probably the lineup we're going to have. I... Gonna have. Tev is coming in and out. Nate Davis is coming in and out. So we're going to have to rely on our backup guards a bit. Um, and they're, they are not putting up a good effort so far. Carter and uh, Leatherwood are, are not doing great. They are getting run yeah, over I... by our, they're getting run over by Travis Bell. That's what he's flashing. I would, if it were up to me, I would like to see Ryan Poles before the regular season starts, place a phone call to a guy like Dalton Risner at guard and, and probably one more veteran swing tackle too, because it doesn't sound like Larry Borum has covered himself with glory either as the backup tackle. I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of. There are a lot of defensive guys who are getting past Larry Borum. Yeah, so, they're yeah. they're yeah. I have yet to see anybody be like Larry Borum's looking pretty good out there. Um, yeah, it it ain't happened. Um, so yeah, I would I would I think I don't think letting trying to find out what you have in camp was a terrible strategy. Uh, and I shit, I think Michael Schofield is still out there on the street, and he yes, wasn't yep. terrible as a reserve guard last year either, but. I think, you know, you're trying to find out what you have in the younger guys, but if the answer here a week from now is still n- nothing good, um, yeah. I think maybe you just quit bullshitting around and you go sign some veteran experience depth. Like I said, Dalton Risner, absolutely a guy that I would like in that situation. So, Yes, it seems like the Bears, they need to, they need to prepare for the eventuality that our guards are not going to be in there every game. Um, and I, I, like so far, yeah, like, like you said, if it continues apace, if we get through this preseason game and those guys are still getting dominated by second and third stringers on the Titans, if we get into camp next week and we're still hearing that, like, Javon Dexter didn't get off the ball particularly quickly, but boy, on that second effort, he sure destroyed, you know, Jatir Carter, uh, like it's time to... This isn't the year to build up the young guys, right? Like we need it. We need to protect Justin Fields. The young guy we need to build up is Justin. The young guys right. we need to build up are his connection to these young wide receivers. Um, you can't. You can't change. Right. I think. Point. Well, I think you know they see Braxton Jones as a potential building block. They see sure. Darnell Wright obviously as a potential building block. So those are the two guys. They are young, and yes, you want to see. You, you'll mm-hmm. you'll you'll be patient with them a little bit because you want to see them develop into the bulwarks of your offensive line around Justin Fields. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much patience you really give a Jatiree Carter or um, even a Tevin Jenkins, like as little as he's managed to show that he can stay healthy. So I, yeah, I, I think there comes a point where, um, you know, Justin Fields' development absolutely becomes the priority over the development of these young offensive linemen. And if you're, if Nate Davis still isn't practicing, if you're still concerned about your two starting guards' health, um, and you're looking at starting either Alex Leatherwood or Jatiree Carter in, in games that matter, yeah, I think you start making some phone calls. I do. Yep, absolutely. 
Well, I think that gets through there. Uh, so, what are what are your expectations for this this first preseason game? We've kind of gone through everything we've seen in camp. We're two days out from finally getting some preseason action. We're going to see, you know, a lot of these young guys we talked about for extended periods of time. We're going to see Justin for at least a drive. It sounds like um, so that'll be fun to get to see his connection. Well, what did, to DJ what did Justin get in the? I think he got like two drives, maybe even three against the Chiefs in the first preseason game last year. He had, I think he got three last year. Yep. He had he had seven pass attempts. Um, I would hope maybe in year two they don't think that three drives is necessary. Yeah. Uh, I would love just like one series crisply executed where he goes like four for four with a touchdown and then just walks off. Touchdown to DJ Moore. We all... You know. Yeah, Eberflus, uh, he, he said it was going to be plays. It was going to be a range of plays. It wasn't going to be yeah. drives. He, so yeah. it's, it sounded more like seven to ten plays for Justin. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hopefully that's one drive. We so. see a beautiful touchdown pass and we get out of there, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the uh, – I don't know what I'm hoping. The, the players that I expect to get a lot of playing time that I am most interested in seeing how they do in this game, I want to see some Rashawn Johnson – Um, I want to see what Jervin Dexter does. Absolutely. I want to see how Darnell Wright's looking. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I would like to see if Tyler Scott can hang on to the ball in a game (laughs) where a defensive player is going to be tackling. I'd like to see him flash a little bit with maybe with PJ Walker. I was going to say, we're going to, he's going to get a chance. He's going to yeah. get a chance, man, Absolutely. with Pete Day out there. So, yeah, those are the guys I guess I'm hoping to see do some stuff. Uh, it sounds like, well, I guess one other thing we talked about, um, I think that folk hero Jack Sanborn might have already lost his job. Uh, I think he did. <laughs> the, every single day there is something about Noah Sewell. They really, yeah. they like Sewell, and it sounds like they really like to use him as like their primary blitzer they think he is uh like you know rush back they like to call him a rush backer you know mm-hmm. um which is something you normally think of more with like a three four but in Eberflus's system they do well they occasionally like to use that sam as a blitzer and that's something that that sewell has consistently flashed going up against the first team offensive line even in camp so far so yeah i think um which again we talked about i talked about this with some friends but like you know, if you're if you're Jack Sand, I think Jack Sanborn's a lock. Even having missed all of camp to this point, basically Jack Sanborn is a lock to make the roster in year two, which is really huge for a guy who was an undrafted free agent. Yes. Like that's yes. that is still a success. That is still a guy who can be like Nick Kwiatkowski, who can you know kind of fill in at all of those linebacker spots and still has a valuable role on the roster. But yeah, I do think it sounds like he's probably lost his starting job to Noah Sewell. At, at least at this point, Sewell is. Uh, and there's and there's some more upside. I mean, Sewell was an All American prospect. He was a five star prospect. He yep. is a freak athlete. We know how much Poles loves those. Um, yeah, he's we... certainly a guy that that, and he wouldn't be the first guy that the Oregon coaching staff has failed to maximize in recent years. Hi, Justin Herbert. Um, so, yeah, yes, I mean, it, uh... it does sound like Sewell is possibly going to be their starting Sam. I'm I'm glad you brought him up. You broke our moratorium on talking about a fifth round draft pick positively uh but uh, the thing about Sewell and I didn't want to bring this up we were talking about our our draft coverage and I'm glad that you brought it up because I don't like talking about fifth round draft picks until they actually do something 
Uh, but yeah, he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. And before last season at Oregon, he was projected oh, in the late first, early second. Hold on, just, one, just a second. Um, fun little factoid. Nate Davis, uh, zero preseason snaps in the last three years. Zero. All right. Okay, Not a Nate. single one. So I think we are seeing... <sighs> It's just what he does. He doesn't want to play the fucking preseason. I mean, we're we talking about practice, man. Yeah. Not a game. Not a game. No, honestly. We're talking it, about practice. You got a guy that's that fragile. It's not the worst thing you could do, right? A guy who you know is probably going to get hurt. You probably don't want to risk that it happens in the preseason. That is very funny, though. But yeah, Sewell is, he is this incredibly athletic dude. He's a guy who before last year was projected very high in the draft and ended up falling all the way um, down to the fifth round, doing no small part to just Oregon and the malaise around them, the malaise around the Pac-12, which has resulted now in its complete destruction. Um, we saw a lot of Pac-12 guys fall beyond where I thought they should have been. The USC defensive end, who had like better pass pressure than anybody in the nation, ended up falling to the third round. Um but You're talking about Tuli because he yeah, well I mean he was a weird case he he was like too big I mean he he he's, <clears throat> he he was kind of like too big for a he was a little bit like a poor man's Kalijah Cansey he was like yep. too big to be it's a true. defensive end but too small to be a true three technique so I, I kind of understood why he fell um, it's the same old thing but with Sewell I mean. It's again we're we're just gonna say talent over everything, right? With this organization, yeah. Sanborn is uh, he was kind of emblematic of everything that was wrong or right with the Bears' defense last year. It was a bunch of guys who were solid options, who knew what they were supposed to be doing, who could get to where they needed to be, and then they would just get beat because they didn't have the talent of the guys that they were playing across from. Um, and I, Bears fans aren't going to like it if Sandboard isn't played because he's definitely one of those Bears types, right? Like uh, Wisconsin linebacker, uh, white, uh, kind of sit there and, and be right there stuffing the run. And oh, people are going to be spilling beer when he doesn't start. But this administration wants to go with talent. They want more talent on the field more of the time. And Sewell has an insane amount of talent. Um, great at the blitz. And he's long. He's not Tremaine Edmonds long, but you will notice how long he is when he's out there. Um, so he's going to help in the pass defense. Will and... I notice how long he is? Oh, you'll notice how long he is, Kyle. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think, so with this preseason game, past the first drive, hopefully past the first drive, the things I'm going to be looking at are going to be the two outside tackle spots, and, and then on defense, it's going to be that defensive line, like... What kind of push are we getting? Can Jervon get off the ball? Can Zach Pickens use his strength to get through? How does he do with the one technique? Are we moving him around? Like, where you know, where are they playing? Um, so that's probably what I'm going to be looking at. That's probably what we'll be talking about next week, most likely. Uh, you got yeah. you got anything? Do you have a Jordan Love update for me, Kyle? I, I didn't really mean that to become a <laughs> it, it, it. It better be. Certainly sounds like he is still struggling a bit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it was funny. Uh, they they they're scrimmaging this week with the Bengals, um, and yeah, it sounds like he was just the Packers' offense was really struggling, picking up a first down, and he was smothering. And I I did see. So they were talking about 
how much Jordan Love and the, the Packers' first-team offense was struggling against the Bengals' defense. Um, and then they were talking about how much the Bengals' first-team offense was struggling against the Packers' defense. And I saw a Packers, a couple Packers friends who were like, well, maybe there's a reason Jordan Love's been struggling all camp then. Our defense is so good. And I was like, mind you, Joe Burrow is not practicing right now. So yeah, <laughs> your first team defense is is stifling Trevor Simeon. So yes. I guess if it encouraged you to, to know that Jordan Love has been no more successful against that defense than Trevor Simeon, um, if that helps you sleep at night, uh, okay. So, yeah, I think my my favorite note from this last week of Packers camp was like it was like three days ago. the The very first pass Jordan Love threw was just a a duck, and Jair Alexander swatted it away, and then he just fucking told him, "You suck." <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that, I, I don't know how much worse it could get for Jordan Love than just being like oh, Jair Alexander's like, "Why the fuck are we here, dude? <laughs> like, are you yeah. kidding me?" Yeah. I, <laughs> Well, that, again, we we have said that there have been some eerie similarities between Jordan Love and the 2019 Mitch Trubisky camp of doom. And that was was a notorious problem in 2019 as well. You got inklings that the Bears defense was already pissed at Mitch. Like, they could just tell where -hmm. this was going, and they were getting mad at their own offense for their incompetence in camp. So, yeah. I mean, here's a guy who's been practicing against Aaron Rodgers for his entire NFL career, right? And now he's got this idiot throwing the ball, and he's like, are you even trying? Um, But, yeah, I mean, another thing that we heard all the time, right, with Mitch is, well, the Bears' defense is really good, so of course he's struggling, and here we go. Green Bay yep. going to be like, maybe there's a reason he's struggling. Our defense is good. Like, I I, I don't feel bad for you guys, but uh, uh, but I, I do feel a little bad uh, just knowing exactly what's coming this season. Um, to be fair, though, I haven't heard a lot from Packers fans. Have you heard much about, like, Jordan Love hype? Are they, are they excited? I... There are some people, I think, overcompensating with superiority. Um, okay. And then there are some people that I can tell are just really fucking nervous. Like, they, they for the first time in their lives, they're tasting that feeling, and they don't, they don't like it. Yeah. So, um, and God, I just, I hope they get to know what it's really like. Because the, the, the fun thing, Green Bay fans, is that if Jordan Love sucks... And you say, well, that's fine. They'll just draft his replacement. Mm-hmm. Did you know how often that route is also a failure? Did, do you know how often? Do you know <laughs> how? I know you, you you don't. You can't comprehend yeah. this. But, like, actually, the thing about not having a quarterback is the, you might never have a quarterback. There's there's no guarantee when you're going to get one. You can ask us. You can ask Cleveland Browns fans. You can ask anybody like if you don't have that guy it's not like a well eventually we will get him you might not you might never get that guy it might never happen that's right brett Brett Favre doesn't just fall into your lap randomly because the falcons are stupid um and also he just like 
kind of sucks for a couple years, then you get him as a for like a, a free agent, you get a trade, and some kind of weird undervalued quarterback deal. That doesn't really happen anymore. You also don't traditionally get a quarterback at the back half of the first round who might be the best quarterback of his generation. So, uh, pretty pretty difficult actually. It's also very hard to get that first overall pick. Take it from us. Uh, you usually end up somewhere at like seven or ten. And, uh, boy, Drake May is gone by that point, and now you're looking at Quinn Ewers. Uh, and that'll be that'll be a fun talking point for three years for you guys uh, in Green Bay. So, yeah, here's to hoping that uh, this 6-11 and 11 or 7-10 and 10 season for Green Bay just, just sticks him in that mud for a couple of decades. Yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, I mean, we... All, this could end up looking really silly. Maybe he turns it on when the actual game starts, but you know you don't want to count our chickens before they're hatched. But yeah, I mean it. They, as we keep saying, they don't know how bad this can actually get. They have no, yes. unless they're over fifty, basically at this point, they have no memory of what what it can actually be like. So it will be fun if if this is the case if it's if he, if if that man is a Mitch Trubisky it, it will be fun to see how that breaks their brains all year long yeah so i do, right. do you have anything else on the docket for i think we're good so next week we'll have an actual preseason game to break down we'll i i think we'll have some Colts Bears scrimmage news to discuss there there should be other things so yeah we will we're soldiering on I sure do hate to go.